How was the word of God heard by the people when it was first spoken? The time, the place, the political landscape, the struggles. And how does the word of God apply to this time, this place, this political landscape, our struggles? This is Michael Leasley in Context. Understand God's word and apply it to your life. In Context. Scott Lindsay serves as the executive director of Faith Life. He is a nationally renowned expert on the future of digital Bible study and has been a conference presenter and trainer for 20 plus years. Scott's passion is to equip the Christian communicator with the best tools available for a lifelong pursuit of God through his word. The world has gone digital. We'll debate that. And Scott's ministry is to bring people's Bible study and research into the 21st century before it's too late. I added that last part. He's trained lots of people, including me, including Tim Keller, David Jeremiah, Josh McDowell, Carol Kent, John MacArthur, who's he? Kay Arthur, and many more. And he lives in the great state of Washington in Bellingham, where that's, if you're going to live there, you got to live there, right? Actually, I live in Linden, which is oh. this awesome little pocket of... Beautiful. It, it's amazing. At one time... Little little trivia for you. Lyndon had the Guinness Book of World's Record most churches per capita in the United States. I mean, that is hard to believe when you're talking about Washington State. I think Wheaton took us over, you know, a few years back. But this is a tiny little Dutch Reformed church. So all those Dutch that wanted to move west, Lyndon. So all the Grand Rapids area Dutch when ah. they decided... To head to the ocean, uh, Lyndon Washington. So we got Van. Everybody's last name is Van. Van. I'm the. I might change my name to Van Lindsay just to kind of earn more street cred. You should. Uh, you but should. right up here on the border. Now, do you do a lowercase V A N? That's really Dutch Reformed. Yes, yes, yes. It is. See, the irony is, I lived in the Netherlands for four years. Get out. So I don't allow any Dutch attitude. You know, the, ah. the saying around here is if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. And I, I'm like, well, you kind of don't know what you're talking about because I actually lived there for four years. And then that gets me some cred as well. And you know everything. So when my when my son Devin was in uh, Timothy Christian School outside of Elmhurst, Illinois, it was a Dutch Reformed school. And uh, he's he's biracial, as you well know. And they were all Van Der Rey, Van Voss, you know, everybody was related. I mean, literally, they were all related in grade school. And he would get so mad because these kids would say, you know, are you black? Are you white? And he would say, I'm biracial. And he, they'd get all mad, you know, how kids are. And I go, Devin, next time they give you any any stuff, just turn on your heel and go, I'm Dutch, you idiot, and walk away. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think he ever did it, but I thought that was a he good answer. Did. We are talking today about Bible study methodology. We're talking about the lack of Bible in the culture. We're talking about why preachers don't preach the Bible anymore. We're talking about how to encourage folks to get their nose in the Word. And I wanted Scott to be part of this package because our audience of In Contact, Scott, as you well know, is a broad audience of people that are maybe BSFers, Precept, uh, Community Bible Study, you know, whatever. They're also Bible nerds. I'm a nerd because I talk about Logos endlessly. And I wanted to put you in this package of uh, the series we're doing on the scripture, how important it is, because you bring an energy and an enthusiasm. And as your bio reads, the digital is here. 
And let's just start out with the, the softball question. You're dealing with Sunday school teachers, with Bible study leaders, with pastors all around the country. You're seeing an increase in people wanting to study and teach the Bible, yes or no? Uh, I'd have to say no. And yet, in light of who we are, this is our 30th year, so we've been doing this a long time. Where we're seeing a lot of growth, though, thankfully, is more the layperson. It, it, it's the person that, you know, if they're just honest with themselves, they're not in the scripture as much as they should be, you know, they don't know the methodology. You know, Bible's a big book, and it could be intimidating. And so, and we're accustomed to digital resources, right? One of my soapbox moments when I presented a conference is the hand smack of please get away from Google for your theology. Granted, some of my favorite ministries obviously are on the internet, and that's how I, you know, read blogs. And re- but there's just this—I don't know—it's this standard idea that if I have a question, I got to go to Google. And and you're going to Google for what? What's marriage all about? That definitely don't type marriage at Google because the nonsense you'll get is unbelievable. So we are kind of the digital solution, if you will, one of many, but a really good one that provides solid theology. We're going to we're gonna get you to the scripture on any subject. Uh, obviously, it's a great resource for studying the, the, the Bible itself. But so we are seeing, you know, a, a real big interest with just the average person that wants to do better Bible study, for sure. Let's take a step back. Why do you think, because you, you're all over the country like a crazy man, training, flying, presenting, selling Logos, and in different parts of Logos we can talk about. But why do you think people are not in the Word, Scott? What's going on? Yeah, busyness. Uh, you know, life just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. I would I'd absolutely say that. But I would say we're, we're just distracted with, you know, I, I get convicted myself. This morning, as a matter of fact, I'm in my prayer closet and, you know, I'm in the scripture, I'm praying, and I made the mistake. I walked in there with my phone, and it starts blipping and beeping, and vi- and, I, and I got distracted. And I was like, oh, you got to stop this. Like, this is your time with Jesus and his word. Put that thing away. And, it, you know, it really scares me with young people. You know, I don't know what the ramifications with the church are going to be because, we have a, an attention deficit, and so that, I think, is wreaking havoc on our prayer lives, on our time in Scripture. We just can't sit before the Lord quietly in His Word for five minutes without thinking about something, or I got to do this, and, and yeah, it's, so I, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> uh, that I, I pray that not only for myself, but for my family, and my wife and I are trying to be diligent with our kids, and you know we've got some rules like phones have to be plugged in at nine thirty, no questions asked, no phones at the dinner table, and because I think it's going to have serious ramifications in our walk with the Lord because we can't sit still in His Word. Mm-hmm. I think it already has, and I don't know that. You know, neuroplasticity is a wonderful thing. Our brains can change. So hopefully people, and, and you and I have had this conversation as well with Mo Proctor. Uh, I do not use Logos for personal Bible study because for me, opening Logos is like picking up a phone. I'm gone. I'm on rabbit trails. I'm on word studies. I'm reading articles. I'm reading commentaries. And you could saran wrap that as a Bible study. But for me, 
I still need to print the text and I got to have my pens to, to take notes in it. Otherwise, now, now I may pull up a tablet with Logos to look up a Greek word or a Hebrew word if I might wonder what that word means, but I have to discipline myself not to open up the, once I open up the desktop computer, I'm gone. And it's a wonderful thing to be lost in Bible study and Logos, but it's not the same. Talk to me about your experience. And again, Morris and I just talked about this recently. Morris Proctor, for those who don't know, is a Camp Logos trainer, and he offers these two and a half day seminars now all online and a library of how to use this immense package. I, I explain to people Logos and Faith Life are like if you've never used a spreadsheet and someone handed you Excel, you would not know how to begin. And yet, there are some easy one, two, threes on how to begin. Logos and Faith have us online. Mo has a little more involved, and it depends on your need. But the issue isn't availability. The issue is getting people into the Word. And so you've said distraction. What, what are your thoughts about people just don't read much anymore? They've truncated to a screen as opposed to a text. That seems to be an effect. Absolutely. You know, my ultimate vacation, if you said, Scott, for your birthday next month, hint, hint, my birthday's next month, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to send you on a vacation. I don't really care where I go. I just want a lawn chair and my Kindle. I just want to read. You know, I, I just love reading. We're, we're not a big TV family. We kind of made that a thing, you know, maybe 10 years ago. We, we don't even have cable. I mean, we've got one or two of the services where you could stream stuff, but we just decided, hey, we're going to hang out as a family. We're going to play games. We're going to read books. So every one of the kids has a Kindle, and we encourage that. And, and, and granted, yeah, it is electronic. But what I like about that little device is it doesn't have Facebook. It doesn't, it doesn't get text messages. You can't do email. Pretty much the only thing you can do is read a book, right? But you're exactly right. You know, uh, Dale Pritchett was one of our founders. So he's the father of both Bob and Dan. And he was my boss for many, many years. And, you know, 20 years ago when we started this, you know, it was an issue of people not studying the Bible. You're exactly right. But I remember being in a meeting with Dale saying, the problem is much lower now. It's not just we're, we don't want to study the Bible. We don't want to read. You're exactly right. So the bar has come down way low. Uh, you know, it's not about exegesis and Greek Hebrew and, and tracking down your systematics and so on. It's like, I don't want to crack a book anymore. And that's a problem. So you're exactly right. Um, you know, when, when I had you recently on, we did a webinar, and uh, I shared some statistics that I pretty much start almost all my webinars with, but I think it's a profound study uh, that you can actually Google. It's a pretty lengthy PDF, a lot of smart people looking at data, but uh, there was an organization that did a survey of 400,000 uh, Christians, primarily North America, 400,000. This is a massive study, and they discovered something that became the highlight of the entire study. And basically, if we're in the scripture one time a week, it has negligible effect on some very key areas of life. And I'll flesh that out here in a moment. If we're in the scripture two times a week, negligible effect. Three times a week, negligible effect. But here is the profound discovery. And the name of the study is called The Power of Force. You can go Google The Power of Force. It's phenomenal. But when we're in the Bible, at least four times a week, it literally spikes off the chart. And this is what happens. Feeling lonely drops 30%. Anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships, especially marriage, that drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Sexual issues, like maybe a pornography, that drops 60%. 
Uh, and then the big stat, I hear it all the time, cross the board, cross denominational, all over the world. So many people tell me now, I just feel so distant from the Lord. I feel, you know, spiritually stagnant. That dropped 62%. So when someone says that to me, I immediately ask them, how much are you in the word of God? And I know what the answer is going to be. I am almost never had anybody that said, I just feel distant from the Lord say, yeah, but I'm in the Bible every day. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Now on the positive side, sharing your faith jumps 200% and discipling others, your coworkers, your family, those in your, your ministry with and so on, that jumps 230%. And we know this, right? We know we're supposed to be in the word, but I love the fact that there's this massive study with empirical you know, analysis and data that is literally proving what happens when we're in this book that is living and active and, and God-breathed and essential. If we're not committed to it, it has serious effect. I was uh, watching a, a old YouTube link someone sent me of a Michael Card routine, a comedian, and he made this one-liner about the Baptist preacher preaching forever and ever and ever. And he goes, because he never studied and the whole place just died laughing, but it's systemic. I mean, if we're not in the word, it doesn't come out in our clarity, our purpose. You know, you mentioned at the end about sharing Christ and disciples and Bible studies. It's almost the other way around too. We've COVID has created this lack of community, this loss, this isolation, this depression, and this is like the antithesis. If you get around a group of people and open the Bible and just read it and say, let's talk about what we observe, the interest in the scripture, the questions that come from the group, it's just, it's astonishing. And, um, you know, you and I are in this business. We're trying to get people to get their nose in the book, but talk to me about where you see this working. Cause we can diagnose and, and bemoan that people aren't in the word, which I do too much, but what, where are you seeing some trends that are encouraging you not only with faith life and logos, but with people who are getting in the word and some of the fruit of their time? I think there's two reasons why we're seeing so much growth. I mean, we've hired a hundred new employees in the last six months. It, it's unbelievable. This is my 24th year it's blowing me away, the growth at which we're seeing, which is an encouragement, right? Because we're all about the Bible and getting in the Word. So the fact that we're seeing growth, that's a plus. I think COVID is one of the reasons for the growth is because the church had to seriously think about digital strategies for discipleship. You know, pre-COVID, if you were to talk to the, the average church is 200 members, right? Correct. If you were to talk to that pastor that's faithfully loving his flock and he's, you know, he's shepherding, and, you know, all that techie stuff, you know, online giving and streaming, yeah, that's for the mega church. We don't do that here, right? COVID forced the issue. It was like, if you don't do that, you might not be here in 12 months, right? So all these pastors and churches and ministries had to come up with some way of connecting with their congregation, discipling them, and so on and so forth. And that's what we've been doing for 30 years. But I think one of the reasons we're seeing the growth more, not with the pastor, scholar, academic, but more the layperson, is for one, we're making the Bible more accessible. Uh, we're making it something as part of their normal day life. And, you know, If they're going to pick this thing up a hundred times a day, Let's try to make the Bible one of those options, right? So the accessibility, the mobility, you know, one of the things I love to point out that I love about Logos is I've got thousands of books, 
uh, that if I had in paper, they'd be, you know, it's the same book, paper versus in ones and zeros and logos. The problem with the paper version is it stays at home. You know, so when I'm in a coffee shop with somebody that says, you know, uh, maybe they're not a believer and they ask me an apologetic question or they're struggling through something and I'm like, ooh, this is a little above my pay grade. But hey, let me, I can get you an answer because I have my theological library with me all the time. So that's a huge plus. But I also think the other issue why we're seeing growth is we do live in a visual culture. I mean, look at the way that we learn today. Look at the way that we're given information. We live in a visual culture. So, you know, I, I have an MBA and I graduated, I was probably 15 years ago or so, but I focused my whole degree program on digital library science. Where is this all going? How are computers going to be a big part of education and the internet and all that? And I stumbled upon a statistic, and I'm probably off a percentage point or so because it was a while ago. But as a parent, plus or minus three percent is the going rate. <laughs> it's fine. Well, I'm safe. All right. But the stat was, and again, this is 12, 15 years ago. The age group of 14 to 18, by the, and this is again a way back. It's probably way more now. When they graduate college, something like 70 percent of what they're going to learn that's going to stick and stay with them, they learn visually. Okay. And I was like, well, wait a second here. I mean, how, how is that going to translate to the way we study scripture, the way we dig into the text? And so one of the things I love about Logos, and one of the things that's my favorite part to get to when I present at a conference, is when I start showing how we visualize the text, how we visualize the scripture. I mean, if you're going to talk about or study the tabernacle, let's show it to you, right? If we're going to talk about the temple, let's show you what the temple looked like back then. Uh, let's go to Jerusalem right now and see what it looks like, right? So, or where it was and, you know, all that. But what's interesting here is one of my good friends is Josh McDowell. I did probably 10 years worth of a tour with both he and Sean. So my son, Bo, and Sean and Josh, we did this tour called Heroic Truth, and it was primarily for families. It was an apologetics 101 and Josh loved it when I got to the point in my presentation where I started showing infographics and pictures because you could hear a pin drop in the room. I mean, the 12-year-old that just couldn't sit still as I was digging into Greek and looking at commentaries, you know, not paying attention. But as soon as Scott started showing the Psalms as bubbles that float around your screen and I could jump into the Psalms that deal with prayer, they were like, whoa, what is that? I mean, I literally had an event once. It was right around Christmas where this family came to the booth. The mom was kind of in tears because during my presentation, Johnny nudged his mom and said, I've decided I don't want the Xbox for Christmas. I want logos. Now, the mom hugged wow. me for like 37 minutes in the booth wow. <laughs> because she never thought Johnny would ever utter those words. But what I did was... I translated his desire. He's a Christian. He loves the Lord. I translated his desire to be in the Word to the way that he is accustomed to learning today. You know, when I got saved, probably the same with you, I got a study Bible, and I lived in it. You know, I loved it. That's not the first idea that pops into somebody's mind. You know, one of my exercises with Josh was I'd say, okay, if you're over 30, I'm going to say a word and I want you to verbalize the first image that comes into your mouth. So over 30, here we go. If you're under 30, please be quiet. I'd say the word study. Resounding. 100% of the room. What did they say? Books. Everybody said books. Everybody said books. 
And then I said, okay, under 30s, study. And I heard Google, internet, iPhone, my computer. And I, I like doing that because I want the parents to go, wait a second. I want my young person in the text, studying the Bible, learning truth. And I'm getting frustrated because I bought Johnny, you know, a $100 leather bound, stamped his name on it, and Johnny ain't in it. What's wrong with Johnny? I don't know if there's anything wrong with Johnny. I just think Johnny doesn't learn that way, right? So that's one of the things we're trying to do at Faith Life is to kind of bridge that gap, you know, that learning gap, that generation gap. And it's the same books. I mean, it's the same words of scripture. It's the same faithful commentaries. And we're serving it up in a different way. When uh, I was in seminary 100 years ago, I was telling this short story with another guest. And I, uh, Hendricks would bring manila folders into every class. And he would make a chart with those flare pens of every chapter of the book, every book of the Bible. And he would put his notes in there. And he was the one, you know, I mean, I know, of course, people in precept and inductive Bible studies, I can't do that. I have to use a simpler system. And I have my own little system that I do in my Bible that makes sense to me. And I, I do a lot of connect the dots. If there's a repetition, I, I'll connect the dots because when I go back, I won't see that without the hour study that I saw the first time. But you're right, the visual reinforcement. How many of us memorized a verse and they say, I can see it on the left side of the Bible. I don't know what book it's in. And we flip through. So there's certainly a, a visual retention. I think the statistic that I remember was 60% of the audience needs audiovisual assistance to retain something. Is where linear learners like me primarily, um, if I hear it, auditorially, I can categorize it. I learned outlining and diagramming that worked for me. It doesn't work for everybody because it's a lot of legwork to get there. But you're, you're raising a point. Uh, people learn differently. Visualization, the feature in Logos 9 that does these bubbles and charts, we showed it on your webinar. It's What is it called in the new Logos program? Yeah, so it's a whole tool set called interactive media. And there's about 40 of them now. I mean, we've got one where you can look at the miracles of Scripture. You can look at Psalms, Proverbs. The new one that is, I, I love getting to it when I do a webinar because I this is like the drum roll. I'm, I'm like pounding the drum until. Let me guess, before and after. Well, no? it's the, uh, I love before and after. No, uh, it's the uh. Bible Books Explorer. Okay. So it's the one that has what we call the intertext tool where we literally see in a circle how the Old and New Testament talk to each other. So you get this profound visualization. I mean, it's like I would literally print this thing out and put it on my living room wall. It's absolutely amazing. But then you can actually work with it. So if I float on Romans over here and I see how all these Old Testament books, Genesis and so on, how they feed into Romans, I can click Romans and it literally brings me instantly the verses that are cited in Romans from the Old Testament. So it's not just a visualization that's like, oh, that's cool. That's like, no, it's literally a visual that you interact with, you work with, you search, you... And what I like about tools like that, you know, I did a webinar yesterday and I said, look, I'm guilty. And I know everybody in this webinar is guilty. When I'm in the New Testament, I'm not really thinking about the Old Testament or vice versa. I'm in the Old Testament, not really thinking about the New Testament. We should be, right? Because... They talk to each other and they inform each other and they make you a better student. So it's not just visualizations. It's even tools like that. I mean, that's a massive amount of work. Well, you know, I have many 
highlights of my 24 years at Faith Life. You know, uh, this podcast with you is now in the third spot, you know, if, <laughs> if I had to rank things. But in the number one spot, I will never forget this day. I spent an entire day with J.I. Packer up in Vancouver, and we did a whole documentary about his life and his influence, and I'm pinching myself. I'm like, I am with J.I. Packer. This is insane. And he was the first person, literally that day, to see Logos, I think it was seven. Okay, so this is a few years back. You know, he'd heard about Bible software, but he's old school. He, yes. he did it the hard way. You know, he did it the hard way. Yes. I'm literally on my laptop showing him, and there's this look on his face of utter disbelief. And actually, he was a little upset. <laughs> he was upset because he's like, Scott, whoa, 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 what is my eyeball fair. seeing here? What, what you just <laughs> did in five seconds... Took would take me six hundreds. months to. Yeah. He's like Scott. This is kind of cheating. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, maybe. Don't get mad with me, J. Packer, please. No, but uh, you know, after he was so appreciative, like he just didn't know that there was, you know, many companies out there that are this serious about the scripture to create tools to spend our lives coding, you know, into this to make the Bible more accessible to everybody. But that's that's my number one spot uh, that day with Packer. Whew, never forget. Sweet, sweet, sweet. You know, it's interesting. I remember um, arguing about Bible study methodology the old way, you know, from a, metaphorically a card catalog to getting a book off a shelf to reading to find the segment to photocopying it, having the bibliograph, go back to your dorm room or your study, you know, all that. And there is an argument that that's part of the learning. And I would hold up a slide rule. And I would say, when I was in high school, I had to learn how to use a slide rule. And to do the function two times three equals six, I think you had to flip the slide rule like three times. And I said, when my brother became an electrical engineer and they gave him a handheld calculator, no one saw that was cheating. There were some people mm-hmm. that felt you're, you don't memorize the multiplication tables, division tables. You need to have that for a lot of reasons in your head, the way our brains work. But there was no che- – and by trig, you have to have a trig calculator in class. And so from the slide rule to the handout calculator – so I tell people this is a good slide rule, but we've now got a computer, not a handheld calculator, that will do this for us. And there is no learning – in pulling eight commentaries off the shelf, turning to the page, reading down where Galatians 2.2 2 is addressed, looking at all those together, when I can right-click, 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 left-click, left-click, I can, I can pull them together and make a verse list. Let, let me change subjects. You're not, we're on the same horse here. You and I have friends who are older, well-respected pastors, some of the most magnificent pastors on the planet. They will not go to technology they will not change the way. They still use the yellow pad and 30,000 volumes in their library. I understand that. How do we help uh, younger, and I'm going to talk about men in particular, younger men who are going to go into ministry, hopefully, who are going to open the Bible. They're going to have competition for small groups and discipleship and raising money and all the church stuff. How would Scott Lindsay talk to these young, maybe seminary grads or thinking about seminary, why it's important, Scott, that they become a leader, a teacher in the sense of you need to be in the Word. And I can give you this huge jump start no generation has ever had before. 
Yeah, so I would say let's first take the seminary grad. So this somebody has been formally educated, you know, has had the classes on how to write a sermon and how to exegete the text and so on and so forth. I think where Logos is a great resource for that person is it keeps what they learned in the forefront. The problem is you take all those Greek Hebrew, let's just take original language studies, right? You take all those classes because you have to, because <laughs> it's part of your degree, but then all of a sudden you're, you're in practical ministry. You've you got to preach it. It just kind of falls from the wayside because you don't have the time anymore to dig at that level. And the problem is if you don't stay practiced, you do lose touch and it's you perishable. forget. So I have nine children. We've already talked about this, uh, five of which are adopted. And my most recent adoption was a nine-year-old boy from China. And we adopted kind of along the same time that another family in town adopted a boy from China. Well, my wife and I made a resolution that we want him to keep his language because at nine, I mean, he had a functional, conversational language, right? So cost me a lot of money. I had to go find an instructor in China so that he can have, and he just had it this morning, Thursday and Friday, every morning. He still has the language. Now, the other family that didn't do that, when my son tries to talk to this boy in Chinese, He's looking at him like, I don't even know what you're... And wh- which really blows me away because nine years of a language is gone, all right? Because he didn't stay practiced in the language. So that's where I think Logos is such a great resource for the seminary student because it's going to keep all they learn in the forefront, accessible, easy, you know, uh, all the time. So every time you do sermon prep. Now, for the, for the person that's not had the formal education, they feel called to ministry, let me interrupt. Yes. I would say that true for theology, for history, for yeah. uh, issues that are, let's say, across Baptist reform, evangelical lines, because you're going to be able to pull those things together very quickly where you know, I could go to BibSAC and ETS and Jets and I could, you're not going to do that. But with a few clicks, yeah. you're going to do it in a matter of seconds. So language, yes, but every other area as well. Biblical theology, his, history, homiletics, hermeneutics, all of it's right there at your fingertips. So uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. So I'll keep going. No, and, and if people you know, you don't know really much about Logos, I mean, one, I would say the greatest thing it does is it aggregates all of your resources for a passage or topic. So if I'm teaching on Romans 8, John 4, Genesis 1, I just have to type that verse and it does 100 hours worth of sermon prep in like three seconds. It just aggregates all those resources and brings them to the forefront. And then I get to choose. Hey, do I really want to spend more time in the cultural right. issues? Do I want to really spend a lot of time in my systematics? I mean, one of my favorite features is the systematic theology section of the passage guide, where not only does it bring to the forefront every systematic category from the text, but then it also breaks it into its nuance of Reform, Baptist, Wesleyan Methodist. And I love that because sometimes I, you know, I'm in John 1. Wow, there's a lot of Christology here, but it's kind of cool to see how an Anglican might kind of interpret the text. And, you know, how does a Baptist theology kind of run with this text and so on? So I, I love that. For the person, they feel a call to ministry, they want to go to seminary, you know, uh, but they've got kids and they've got a full time job. This is where I think Logos is absolutely tremendous because. One of the new features in Logos is called Workflows, and I think it was a game changer. It was released a couple years ago, and we've just taken it to another level in, in the newest Logos. But my greatest analogy to give for Workflows is Ikea. 
So sit with me for a moment because we, we've all had an Ikea story. I have a lot of them because I have nine kids and five adopted. So we adopt a new child and I got to go to Ikea and my wife picks out this dresser and, you know, we, we got to get furniture. So what is the experience of Ikea? Well, you let your spouse pick the dresser. You load that thing up in the car. You go home and drop that enormous box of Ikea in the garage. And there's three things in that box. Number one are the pieces. Those are the bolts, the brackets, the boards. It's the guts of the dresser. The analogy to Logos, books. Those are the books. Those are the commentary, systematics. It's the lexicons and all that kind of stuff, right? Number two in the Ikea box is the tools. That's the special Swedish hex wrench. And that little screwdriver, you know, they, they actually provide the tools. So how does that uh, reflect the Logos? Well, that's Logos itself. That's the technology. That's all this amazingness that's wrapped around the books, right? But the third and most important thing in that entire box, hands down, is what? The instruction guide, right? Because I'm telling you, I'm not that type that tries to figure stuff out. I want numbers. You tell me, step one is this, take that board and that bolt and that bracket and attach it to the, and it, listen, if you follow the 87 steps, because they're getting kind of crazy with their Ikea furniture steps. And a 0.4 font. Yeah. <laughs> 0.45. You'll have a dresser. If you can count and follow instructions, you'll have a dresser. But that's what's been missing in Logos until workflows entered the scene. We had number one and two. You know what we didn't have? We didn't have instructions. We do now. So we have a sermon prep workflow. So for the bivocational preacher, pastor uh, that is, you know, straddling occupation and family in the pulpit, and they're like, well, I don't really know how to build a message. All you have to do is select that workflow, type in the text, 1 Peter 1, click one button, and there's all your steps. And you know what my favorite part about that workflow, Michael, is, is guess what we say is the first step? Pray. I love that. Like, we, we literally say, before you go to any of the awesomeness of Logos, you better just hold on and get before the Lord, right? We give you how to pray about the text. You know, I love that, right? And then yes. step two, read it from your Bible. So the beauty of the workflow, though, is you don't have to know anything about Logos because we not only provide the step, but when we say, hey, you should look at multiple translations, all you do is click the little button when we say that's important, and guess what happens on your screen? Multiple translations. So I don't even have to know, how do I do this in Logos, right? You don't have to know anything about Logos. You don't have to know anything about how to build a message. So Kay Arthur has created a workflow for us. Uh, we have one for Precept, but then Kay created one. John Piper actually created one for us because he has a methodology for studying the text. We have one for a biblical person, place, or thing. So I want to know more about Ruth, or I want to know more about Peter. I just type Peter... And six steps, I have the most amazing character study about the person that I wanted to study from the Bible, and all I had to do was count and follow the instructions. So literally a game changer because, again, for 27 years until we came out with this feature, we provided the tools and the resources, but then we kind of left you hanging. <laughs> it was like you'd open up Logos going, I know this is an amazing tool, but hey, what if you became a Christian two weeks ago? You're like, I don't even know how to study the Bible, right? I don't know what I'm doing. And what I really like about that is we've gotten testimonials from people that have said, because of these workflows, 
I know how to use my paper books better now, right? Because I've I got paper. I, I didn't really know how to use a Greek dictionary or how do you use a systematic theology. or So anyway, workflows, game changer for both of the categories we just talked about. Folks who are in a local church and their pastor or Sunday school teacher or small group leader uh, doesn't prepare you and I have all been in, uh, we've both been in groups where we read a verse maybe, and then we say, what does this mean to you? And I want to say, don't ever ask that question in my presence. You know, <laughs> I don't care what it means to you. What does it mean? You know, and I, I'm a little bit wound tight on those things. But how do we encourage in our sphere of influence in a loving way, Scott, to people to say, you need to get your nose in this book. It's the most important document on the planet. It's an eternal word of God he's given us for all of our life and faith. Uh, we all know that. No Christian would debate that. We can use the excuse we're busy or we're distracted or we don't have an attention span or we don't know how. Blah, 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 blah. If you're going to play a piano, hire a teacher and take lessons and practice. I mean, we know these things, right? So how do we encourage people along the line to say, you know, pastor, you know, Sunday school teacher, uh, man, have you ever thought about just teaching a book of the Bible? Have you ever thought about going through this? Maybe you want to do a theme. Fine. Let's pick stewardship. Let's pick five passages on what it means to be a good steward from the Bible. Not even talk about tithing, just about using what God's given you for him. And these things, they're threatened by it, obviously, but how, I'm asking a long question. How do we encourage other people who are obviously in positions of leadership that are not doing this without being a nag or a Holy Spirit or, you know, being a critic. How do we come alongside and say, man, this product, and you can use Faith Life for free. There's a portion of this that we'll give you for free to start learning how to do some of these things. Yeah, so I would say two things. One, a resolution, a commitment, a, you know what, I'm going to set aside the fear, the intimidation, the whatever's the excuse, and Today's the day. I'm going to be committed to this book, to studying this book. There you go. It's got to have that. And then number two is resource, right? So, you know, if, if you decide, hey, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, you can't just make that decision. So you got to change some things, right? You start going to the gym, eating better, whatever. So what would that look like for somebody? Logos is an option. A good study Bible is an option. Go to your local Christian bookstore, you know, the few that are still around or whatever. So I would talk to your pastor, Say, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm limited in funds. What would be a good Bible dictionary? What's a good kind of commentary to start with? you got to start somewhere. you got to have a plan, right? And, and it will require some investment, right? You always have to invest in your resolution. But I would say, and this is a perfect setup for my absolute favorite feature in all of Logos, it's called Factbook. Now, we've had Factbook for years and years and years, but with Logos 9, it got 10 times the content. Like, we went crazy on Factbook. In the past, the only thing you could, it's one little button up on, the, up on the toolbar, you just click it, and you're in Factbook. In the past, the only thing you could type in there was a person, place, or thing. So I wanted to know about David, or I wanted to know about Nineveh, or I wanted to know about atonement or the cross or something, right? The new Factbook, you can type in a date, you can type in a Bible verse, you can type in a systematic theology category. I mean, it's unbelievable. You can I jokingly at conferences now say Factbook actually makes Google look idiotic, just absolutely dumb, because it's so good with the content you get. But you're exactly right. I don't know what this obsession is from the pulpit and pretty much in general with the church to contextualize immediately. 
that's important, right? We need to study this book, be under the authority of this text. And yes, what does this mean for me? But what so many are not willing to do anymore is the homework on, okay, you're in Romans, you're in Ephesians. Well, why was the book written? Who wrote the book? Who was he writing to? What were the cultural issues? Of the, and that can be intimidating because I bet you many listening have heard that's important, but I don't even know where I would start to do that, right? And again, my tendency is going to go to Google to try to figure that out. So in Factbook, I'm actually in my logos right now. I just typed Romans and I just brought up the Factbook article on the Epistle to the Romans. We immediately give you a Bible dictionary article, which is an outline to Romans, and we even give you a slide deck. So I see it on the screen right now. I just click this one button, and it's an entire slide deck for me to teach Romans. It's got the timeline of Romans, the outline of Romans, who wrote it, to who, all done, and it's gorgeous. It'll look like you hired a marketing company to all of a sudden do your PowerPoint. So there you go. But right in the middle of Factbook is this amazing section called the Bible Book Guide. This is the overview for that book. And I encourage everybody, before you jump into Ephesians or John or any book, you're like, this is the book I'm going to live in. I'm kind of in Ephesians right now. This is what I did before I started working through Ephesians, is I went here and I went to the Bible book guide, because here are the sections. Content. So it's going to give me the overview of the book, the outline of the book, the the major content uh, of the book, and then origin. So who wrote it? Authorship, date, purpose. And then there's background. So what's the historical context of this letter? Who are the recipients of this letter? Where was this church? I mean, all of this has been aggregated in a nanosecond with all the links to the articles. So when I see historical context and I'm like, well, that's probably really important. I just go ahead and start clicking the articles that Logos brought into the section. I mean, I can go into canonicity, uh, literary styles of the letter, and then the last section is my favorite called meaning. And this is where I get the theme of Romans, the emphasis of Romans, the interpretation, the message, the theology, the significance. But Logos in one second literally aggregated for me all of this great content. And this is so important because now if I go through this, and I do this for about a week and then jump into the letter, I now have my guardrails. I know what I'm looking for. I know what the main points are to look for and so on and so forth. It's just making me a better student because I kind of know what I'm going to see down the road. It's kind of like a trailer to a movie, right? Uh, You know, it's a two-minute trailer. You don't want to give away all the good stuff, but you're like, oh, that looks like a great movie. I got to go see that. This this is a book trailer. You know, it's going to give you the major ideas, themes, cultural issues, so on and so forth. But again, if I were to say that, before showing you this awesome tool, how in the world am I going to figure all that out, right? We just do that for you automatically. We've been talking to Scott Lindsay, who serves as the executive director of Faith Life. And I want to, as we wind down our time, Scott, help us understand Faith Life, Lagos, um, Viseroy. I mean, there's one platform, but it has some different looks and appeals. Yeah, so very wisely, our fearless leader and CEO, Bob Pritchett, about seven, eight years ago, I remember calling us and knowing, hey, we're changing the name of the company. I'm like, what? I've been at Logos Bible Software for 20 years. What are, we, what are we doing that for, right? And he's like, look, we have to provide so much more for the need of the church in the digital age. Yes, you know, the crown jewel of faith life is Logos Bible Software. That's what gets the most love, the most attention, and it's who we're best known for, Right. 
But we changed the name to Faith Life, which is kind of now this umbrella name, if you will, for all the other things we're doing. So we just released officially about a month or two ago an amazing suite of technology for churches called Equip. So if you go to equip.faithlife.com, basically what's happening in ministry, and again, was a huge struggle to get through COVID, was churches have to juggle six, seven, eight different technologies now to accomplish the mission, right? Discipleship and education and giving and streaming and websites and all that. So about seven, eight years ago, we decided, hey, let's be the first digital solution, if you will, that's all integrated. So all the code was written by the same people, which means what? You can borrow data. The problem with so many churches is they're using seven, eight different technologies written by different companies. So you can't borrow data. And then the one person that's the expert at the uh, giving platform or the accounting side of things, you know, jump ship or retires and you're like, ah, you know, we got to train. So that's a problem. But it's wonderful that it's the first fully integrated ministry platform in existence. And I mean, we even take care of child check-in. But every part of Equip, and I love this, is centered on Scripture. So take the child check-in part, right? How do you make that? I mean, isn't it you just give your kid, get a number, and leave? Like, how, how are you going to? So we thought we obsessed about how are we going to connect that to Scripture? So what we thought is, why don't we create a system where you check your child in, you get a number, When church is over, you go grab your child, but with the number, we already know what the pastor preached on that Sunday, uh, or we know what the Sunday school class was for that child, and we give the parents and the children questions in the car. So you not only get your kid, you get five questions handed to the parent based on what was learned in class that hour, and guess what they're going to talk about on the drive home? The scripture and Jesus, you know, before that, you ask your kids, hey, what did you learn today? Jesus. Mm, It's, you know, hey, that's a good answer. Jesus is always the right answer. But don't you want to have more of a a, a really good conversation about what was learned? So that's just one little nuance to where Faith Life with Equip has said, how do we anchor everything on scripture? And that's really why we're seeing such growth right now is Everybody knows about Logos Bible Software, but the word is getting out about Equip, and churches are loving it. So that's what Faith Life's all about. Let me inject also, if you're a small group leader, Sunday school teacher, uh, you can use Faith Life as a closed group. Think of like a Facebook closed group, and you can do your prayer requests, your reading plans, your subjects. You can use it as a whole communique, as a small church almost. You could use Faith Life, just the free part of it, to run a small church. And then once you get accustomed to it, you're going to want to start bolting things on to that program. And Faith Life will work with you. Um, Scott, you also have a special offer for us at Logos.com com forward slash in context. Tell people what that means. Yes. So for those of you that are listening, watching, uh, just go to logos.com forward slash in context there. We will have a special discount. We'll have four or five of the, the libraries that most people would choose to start and, and, you know, just start somewhere, you know, if yes. budget is an issue, you know, start with a little one and then over time, just build on it. But Uh, If you go there, special discount and a monthly option. So one of the things we do is we'll take whichever library you decide to start with and we'll spread that over 12 months, 14 months, 16 months. So it really kind of fits in to the budget a little better. Really good news too. We allow a husband and a wife to share a single license of logos because the Bible says you're one and we don't mess with that. Okay. 
But anyway, and then let me just throw this out for young people, because I said the, the need to visualize scripture. If you go to your app store, either Android or Apple or whatever, uh, look for the Faith Life Study Bible. It's its own separate app. We spent about a million dollars in development, sent a film crew to the Holy Land. So if when you're in the Faith Life Study Bible on Ephesians 1.1, there's a video and you're walking the streets of Ephesus. So it is incredibly visual. It's got articles from uh, Sean McDowell, Matt Chandler, Tim Keller, Randy Alcorn. I mean, it, we lock down the notes so you can kind of trust who is saying, you know, or giving comment. That, you know, let me just throw that out there. It's one of my issues with a lot of the other apps out there is a lot of the notes are community generated. I don't know about that so much, right? I kind of want to know who it is that's telling me about what this passage means uh, in Leviticus or what have you, right? So we hired the best, uh, Geisler and many, many others, and kind of locked down the notes, but it's free. So tell every teenager, young person you know to download the Faith Life Study Bible because it's a tremendous resource. Scott Lindsay, a longtime friend, and uh, as you can tell, he's a little bit excited about Bible study and uh, Logos and Faith Life. Thanks for your work and your ministry, and pray God's great blessing on you. If you have any questions, go to the show notes. We'll have the information about Logos.com forward slash in context. Also, on the website on Faith Life Logos, there are innumerable videos you can watch, how-to little starter videos. I mentioned Morris Proctor. He'll also be as a part of our broadcast in a couple of weeks. Mo will be on here as well to tell you what he offers. It's sort of like that's grad school, if you will. And so um, this tool is an amazing tool. I will die uh, literally telling people, get your nose in the book. And I, I beg you, I plead with you, I implore you, Get into Bible study. If this isn't your deal, fine. Get your nose into the book. Scott started this time. If you're in four days a week, your life's going to change. If you're in every day, I can't imagine what might happen to you. It's not that you have to. It's that you get to. It's not that you should. It's that you can. And here's the God of the universe who offers you this text in every kind of language, translation, accessibility, and he wants to help you. He loves you. He knows all about you, and he's given you a manual not just to have a happy life, but to have a holy life and to live for him in a joyful and expedient way. So, Scott, thanks for all your labors, and I pray you're encouraged in the work you're doing, and we thank you tremendously for what Logos does for all of us. Thank you for having me. It was great to, to share this time with you. Blessings. Did you know that In Context is fully funded by our listeners like you? If you are a regular listener, would you consider giving a one-time or perhaps monthly donation? You can give at michaelincontext.com. In Context is produced by Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonamorphic, and music composed by Tycho and Blair Masters.